Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I think the question on everyone's lips is, why aren't you a real doctor? Well... You're, you're right. I agree with you there. You're a medical doctor. We all know, not real doctor. That's correct. Yeah. So why? Uh, well, I'm trying to rectify that now. I, I mean, you know, uh, then I'll I'll be a, a doctor squared. Yeah, but don't you think you're being greedy? <laughs> don't you think you're setting actually unrealistic standards for all of us who are finishing their PhDs and have parents who are like, oh, you know, maybe you should do medical school and then you'll be a real doctor, even though that we are in fact real doctors right or now. Or we just have like no intention of doing a PhD or a medical yeah, degree. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, if on paper I look good, then f- just bear in mind that I have many personal shortcomings. So, so, so don't feel uh, inadequate. Tell your parents that, that I'm actually a, just an, a bit of a dick. So. Hello and welcome to One You A Doctor Yet, the only podcast that uses cutting-edge science to answer the questions that you actually have. Things like, why is the sky blue, what's up with trees, and how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck could in fact chuck wood? I got that wrong, but I don't care. On my left, I have Oz Ismail. Oz is a PhD student in neuroimaging and dementia, a Tinder aficionado, and is a compendium of awkward sexual advice. Insert awkward silence here. On my right, as always, I've got Suhail Patel. Suhail is an amazing journalist. He makes incredible videos for the BBC and he's learning a lot more about science. I don't know. Doesn't matter. (laughs) And you know it. We know it. She's here. We've got Hannah Ayub. Hannah is an amazing artist, a creative producer, and is the only person I know who is allergic to hypoallergenic dogs. Hello. I mean, how? That's what I want to know. What is that? It's a dog that people aren't meant to be allergic to, but I'm still allergic to them. They just don't tend to land me in A&E the way other dogs do. That's pretty good. And today we have an amazing guest. Your applause. We've got the man, the myth, the cardiologist, Dr. Rohan Francis. Good evening. How are you today, man? I'm good. How's everybody else? Can I just say, you have quite the radio voice. (laughs) I've, I've got a sore throat, uh, <laughs> so this is well-timed. Okay, I mean, Good impressive. evening. So I'm incredibly glad to get Rowan on because, Rowan, you're a Cambridge-trained cardiologist, right? Yeah. So that means out of, like, five people in the room, there are now two people who can walk into any job. Isn't that right? <laughs> Hannah. Still, got, still don't have, like, English names, though. There we go, yeah. So, so yeah, my under- undergrad was London, mm-hmm. George's. Mm-hmm. All my cardiology training's been in Cambridge. Wow, damn that! You're just oh, I hate you're everything my parents want me to be. 
I really hate you. <laughs> I mean, I just hate you. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of love here. Though. No, Listen. no, look, look, I'm coming in really strong because Rohan, apart from being an incredible cardiologist trained person and a PhD researcher, yeah. right, he's also someone who, upon first meeting him, all right, I was at a comedy night. I know where go, this is going. Yeah, and he goes to me, oh, hey, Alex, uh, I heard about your, uh, your podcast. Yeah, I gave it a listen. I was like, oh shit, really? I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, yeah. Needs work. <laughs> I think you're no, misrepresenting. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> and nothing's changed. No, no, no. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, you did that, right? And then I had to MC you onto a stage while you were doing a comedy set. You don't neg the guy MCing you. <laughs> That is also true. Like you, you, de you dealt with it very diplomatically. Yeah, I brought up to the fact that yo, this guy started nagging me. Why? What did I do wrong? <laughs> Where did that make you sad, Alex? Yeah, it did like a little bit in my soul because I was I was expecting praise. <laughs> I was, I was trying to be constructive with my criticism. I mean, he also did tell me that the correct way to to talk about collecting organs was not harvesting. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. But. Rohin, we've talked around you. Can you perhaps in the best words possible, I don't know, explain what it is you do, who you are, and just why you have such an amazing radio voice? Yep, uh, thanks very much uh, for inviting me along. I'm very excited to, to be here. Uh, as you said, I'm a cardiologist, um, so I've been working in the NHS full-time for quite a few years, and I've come out to do a PhD kind of at the end of my training, uh, which I'm doing in London in UCL. Uh, it's going slowly. Uh, it's giving me a lot of time for YouTube and, and Twitter um, and meeting people like you. Uh, but hopefully that the work will ramp up soon. And um, uh, then uh, I've got two more years to go with the PhD. You mean correcting people like you? Uh, yeah. I'm, cor I'm correcting you there. <laughs> pedantry is a, is a major part of my raison d'etre. Okay. Um, Sorry, what's a raison oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, je ne parle pas français. I don't. What's a raison d'être? Um, je ne parle pas français. It wouldn't be the uh, in, infinitive there. Okay, be, cool. Uh, yeah, from <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> just, yeah, just leave. <laughs> this is the uh, Rogan show now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now Alex uh, is gone. I had, I, had, I, had to, I had to take it there. Um, uh, where, where were we? Don't feel no. bad because Alex gives it out a lot too, man. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so I see. I see what this is. As soon as this is a this is a coup. Yeah. <laughs> as soon we're as, taking over, motherfucker. As soon as someone vaguely sexy comes on, it's all like mutiny, mutiny. Right, he's gonna. I've leave. been on the whole time. I have about? never been described as vaguely sexy. Though. Okay, you, Alex, your standards are very low. You still have the sexiest voice on this podcast, right? Okay. okay. I, I really appreciate that. But, um, so Rowan, what is your PhD in? Because how do you go from doing cardiology to jumping into a PhD? And like, what, what do you find interesting? Uh, well, a lot of cardiologists actually end up doing a research degree, either an MD or a PhD um, these days. And uh, my PhD is quite clinical. So I'm still seeing patients. I'm still s sort of doing regular doctor work. And uh, um, the the actual subject is I'm using advanced imaging techniques. So that's PET. I do imaging. Yeah, I know Amazing. you do. Amazing. How can we? Such a small world. Um, yeah. And uh, 
so I use, I use PET, positron emission tomography, and MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, to image patients who've, who've had heart attacks and use new ways to, to look at heart disease. So what does that actually give us? Pretty much nothing. At the <laughs> so just as I suspected, doctors are pretty useless. Not all of them, but this one, yes. <laughs> So Oz, what have you seen in the news this week? Uh, so this was actually a story that was kind of interesting and also quite dark. Um, you had me at interesting. And then I lost you at dark. <laughs> right, so this is a story, actually story, news story from the States about uh, the authorities using a dead man's fingerprints. Did you, uh, did you no. hear about this? So uh, basically, it was in, this thing happened in Florida where this the police stopped a 30-year-old black man after he, he was driving in a car with tinted windows, and that's not illegal in the state of Florida, right? So they stopped him, and then they started searching him, and then I think he had, he had drugs on him, or they say he had drugs on him, and so he tried to get away. Mm. He didn't have drugs on him. <clears throat> Well, the reports say that he had some drugs on him, but he had no... I don't believe it. What kind of, <laughs> what kind of drugs? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Was but it? basically, they tried to... they tried, Like, he tried to get away, and they decided to shoot him four times. Fuck. Right? He died, obviously. And so, obviously, the family devastated. They want to know why it was necessary to kill him when he didn't have a weapon on him. Mm. Anyway... Whilst family were arranging his funeral, the mm. FBI turn up and they demand to see his body to yeah. use his fingerprint on his phone so they can unlock his phone mm. to carry out an investigation. They don't ask the family if they can do this. They just mm. go ahead and do it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, this, well. like, I thought about this and so, like, it's, it's a horrendous story. And it's uh, as if it wasn't traumatizing enough for the family. Suddenly, they're using this dead man's body to invade his privacy, right? But turns out legally that's fine. Apparently, once you're dead, privacy laws don't apply. Yeah, that's true. And it's the same in the UK. The Data Protection Act mm. stops when you die. You're dead, man. So, literally, like, and also this means that any information, so say like in your phone, like you have WhatsApp messages from different people, all of that information, doesn't matter if you're alive, you've sent it to that person, they can access it and they can do whatever they want. But isn't that insane? Does this apply to like other people getting access to your data? Like not just the authorities? That's a good question. I don't know. But I think the authorities don't need a search warrant. They can just go in. And so this is what they were trying to do. Mm. Now, they were unsuccessful in un unlocking his phone using his fingerprints. So they had to like use other technology. Yeah. But also, the, the article I was reading was talking about whether you can use your fingerprints once you're dead. And turns out you can't really because fingerprint technology works in... At the moment, there's three different ways it works, right? There's the optical method, which literally takes a picture of your, of the ridges and the valleys of your fingerprints. And that's pretty outdated because anybody can make an image of your fingerprint or a prosthetic and use it to unlock something. Mm. So the current technology that most devices use yeah. uh, uses these capacitators. And this, the way this works is it uses charge. Is a capacitator different to a capacitor? Or ca ca capa capacitor? <laughs> Capa it's on this podcast, the flux. Fuck's sake! <laughs> it's the flux capacitator. 
Look, on this podcast, <laughs> we don't shame people for not being able to pronounce me. That was actually an I honest question. That, I promise you that was. I was I'm not, I'm not, don't give me that look. I'm literally dyslexic, bro. <laughs> look at him coming here with his fancy schmancy Cambridge, london degrees, double doctoring. Hmm, I see you. Still not a real doctor, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I was saying... <laughs> capacitors... <laughs> Yeah, go. So the way they work is, so you press your finger against uh, the sensor and the different ridges will create a charge from your finger. And where there's a valley, so where there's no ridge, there's air, so there won't be a charge. So it creates a profile of char electrical charge mm. and oh, basically you say electrical signal. And that's what most current phones and tablets use. And then like the future of fingerprint technology is ultrasound technology where... Um, it was there's a transmitter and a receiver so you press your finger against it there's a transmitter that sends an ultrasound and then depending on where it hits the ridge or the valley it creates a profile of your fingerprint and then that's how it's going to work in the future mm. anyway basically because the current version uses electrical capacitors <laughs> did i say it right <laughs> cambridge please, please continue okay. so it turns out um this technology doesn't work when you die but no one has actually investigated how soon after you die it stops working. Like how soon after you die, do you, can you stop getting Should we test charge? it right now? I mean, we, you'd have, <laughs> you'd need all our phones and kill four of us. Listen, right. we just kill one. Just, re <laughs> just, re just, okay. just repeatedly lock and unlock. This, like this proves. <laughs> That's the scientific method. No. An N of one is not the scientific method, okay? I have tried to publish an N of one. It has not gone well. I understand, yes. Uh, although I think on this particular occasion, a small sample size may be forgiven uh, because I think you'd have trouble getting it past the ethics committee anyway. But uh, retrospectively, we could probably pass one. I mean, it's interesting you talk about ethics because, like, that does raise a lot of questions about these, like, authorities. Doing... I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't know that about the data protection laws. I, I've not heard of that. So that's, that's, that is surprising. Mm. I mean, this is the thing. This article raises the question: like, it's legal, but like, what about the ethical side of things? Like, how is it? Well, like, you're surely... dead, isn't it? So yeah, but surely your your mm. family should have a say in. Fuck them. <laughs> you should have the right to be remembered in a certain way and not have all your data. But do you think access. the fact that this was a murder, you know, a, a police case, they'd shot him, uh, changed the fact so that there was like a, a, they could get a warrant to look in his phone and use his fingerprint? But I think the whole point of the story was that they didn't need a they warrant for it. Warrant. Yeah. So basically the FBI just marched into the, the funeral home and demanded to see his body. So that, that seems very um, strange. A, a funeral home, like mm -hmm. he was in the casket, man. His son was giving the eulogy. <laughs> like, like tears in his eyes. Like, like in the middle of the middle of the wake, he just brings the phone out, gets his thumb. It's like, yeah, I need to see those group chats. I yeah, see what you did. Okay, quick question though: When you're in a group chat, mm. and again because I'm really popular and everyone loves me, I've never been removed from a group chat. Mm. Do you, do you do you lose? I, the I remove myself quite often. Do you lose the ability to see past messages? No. So I've just removed myself from my old work chat, a group chat, and I can still see old messages. Yeah, Fuck. but then you, you've you've got to delete uh, the group. You've got to leave, and then you got to delete. Yeah, so basically, it's not enough for, for us to, if anyone dies, to, to remove them from the group chat. Listen, you're you dead. Gotta, you don't gotta, worry about well, it. Well, so this is, I mean, this is a, a more medical context, but. Um, uh, one of the medical indemnity organizations, you know, who, who uh, help doctors who are uh, sort of uh, have some sort of 
uh, misconduct charge or something. They had a case study uh, that they sent us of, um, I think there were two cases. One was uh, a doctor who was in a, a group chat where some pornography, like pretty messed up stuff was being circulated, not, you know, you know, there were probably animals involved and stuff. And, um, uh, but, but the doctor, <laughs> or maybe it was two doctors, they weren't participating, but they were just in the chat. And, um, uh, and they got in trouble uh, for doing that with, with the General Medical Council. And then the other one was um, uh, a group chat which uh, uh, talked about drug taking. And uh, one of the people in the group was arrested and they looked through the group. And just because the doctor was in the group, the doctor then again got uh, a reprimand, even though they hadn't been, uh, you know, involved. Yeah, but yeah. isn't it uh, so? Like in our in our previous episode, Keris mentioned that you know if there's illegal content that you come across on the internet, it doesn't matter if you stumbled upon it. If you've seen it, you've basically broken the law because it's illegal. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, it's quite hard to stumble upon messed up stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. But, you know, in this case, if someone sent it to your group chat and you happen to be in there... Ali, Ali, Ozzy. Do you know who I am? (laughs) What are you hiding? (laughs) I'm I'm not... (laughs) Ozzy, what have you done? (laughs) I I don't think I'm the one hiding anything here considering you call me Oli, like... Why has this turned into the last act of Poirot and everyone's just like pointing fingers at one another? Stop it, all you guys. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Are you okay there, Hannah? Hannah's just dying right now. Quick, get her phone. Let's test her fingerprints. (laughs) We need to see if it's true. Sorry. It's too hot, man. <laughs> Tears coming down their face. Tears. Oh. So back to the um, people being reprimanded. reprimanded. Reprimanded for just being in a group chat. Uh, that's fucked up. That I, is it's, fucked up. It's majorly fucked up. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this was this was a medical profession, but I'm sure it applies to, to other. In fact, I think uh, a lot of uh, private enterprise banks and stuff monitor their employees very closely so i think people have to be aware of these kind of things these days and and if you've got a friend who sends some fucked up stuff to your whatsapp group have a word and say look stop it now each of you individually how would you feel if after you died your phone your computer like all your electronic data was accessible by people who are in power like law enforcement and stuff like hannah how do you feel I don't like it. <laughs> like, I really don't like it. But I think the thing that would make it worse is whether that data can be passed on. Mm. Like, whether it's only accessible by the authorities for a like, particular investigation. Yeah. Obviously, if you're... But killed, that imp- implies that you, you trust the investigating authorities to, yeah. to keep it safe. I trust them slightly more than, like, the general public at large. Mm. <laughs> slightly. Slightly, yeah. <laughs> But it's like if someone killed me, I'll be like, motherfuckers, find that guy. Like, do what you gotta do. Like, you know what I mean, like, check my shit. Well, the like, police killed this dude. They know who killed. <laughs> this is the police. Fuck. I mean, what are you in? How do you feel? Uh, no, I'm. Yeah, I'm not keen on the idea. I mean, like, uh, by one token, I'm dead, so I, you know, <laughs> I don't really yeah. care. But uh, and I've got nothing particularly very exciting on my laptop, except 
spreadsheets. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, very opposed to the idea. And I, and I think uh, you know these phone companies like Apple was was in the media a couple of years ago by refusing to create a backdoor. And and I certainly supported that. I think uh, you know they they were in the right. Obviously, the FBI found one anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 this is all a surprise. I didn't know that they could do all that. So. Um. So we had some questions for you. Um, the first one was inspired by, so my dad had heart surgery a few years ago. He had to have multiple bypass. And before he went into surgery, um, the surgeon sort of um, taking all this far too lightly, um, sort of when, you know, when we, we, we're going to crack open your chest, we used to call that death. We're going to stop your heart. We used to call that death. And we're going to puncture your aorta. We used to call that death. So I wanted to ask what sort of mod, well, one, what do you think of that? Because I can tell from your face that you don't seem to like it. No, I think that's... Uh not the best um, bedside manner, let's put it that way. I should point out my dad's a former nurse, so he actually absolutely loved that. Um, well, perhaps then the doctor yeah. was being appropriate for the, you know, for the patient. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what do you, sort of, which bits of sort of modern cardi cardiology do you think are almost sort of science fiction like that you didn't, we once didn't think we'd get to? Uh, well, that's a tough question. So I think um, uh, bypasses uh, are becoming uh, you know, fewer and f fewer. We're, we're mm. doing them much less frequently. Um, there's still a sub subset of patients who who do better out of a an open heart, a, mm. you know, open chest surgery with a bypass. But um, the most common medical procedure in the world now is is uh, coronary angioplasty. So that's a stent. Mm -hmm. Most people know it as that. And can you tell us yeah. what a stent is? Yeah. So a stent is is uh, um, where you put a, a little metal tube, a bit like the tube in the inside of your biro, that little spring. Um, it's about that size, but much, much thinner metal. And it goes over a balloon uh, and you put it in nowadays through the, the wrist. So you just make a tiny puncture in the radial artery in the wrist and everything goes up there. You, pu you pass tubes up to the heart uh, from the wrist and then uh, um, you put a put the stent in, blow it up with a balloon and it uh, um, uh, opens up the artery. So um, that's become an extremely common procedure I think we take it a bit for granted now, but it's uh, not, I wouldn't call it science fiction, but the reason I mention that is that now we are putting valves in via the same technique, not from the wrist, but from the, the leg where the, the artery is a bit bigger. So whereas previously we would have cracked the chest mm. and, and uh, which used to be called death and um, uh, taken out, say a diseased aortic valve. Uh, we're now putting that valve in without opening the chest at all. We're putting it in from the leg and that's something called a, a transcatheter aortic valve implantation or a TAVI. Um, and I think that's going to explode. Uh, I think uh, in about 10 to 15 <laughs> That's very reassuring. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, Hopefully that's not wrong. literally. Listen. Yeah, not the best. Uh, uh, I, th I think that's going to 
take off. Uh, said no, that's science <laughs> fiction. Um, the real stuff. Yeah, so... <laughs> Can you imagine Rowan? Putting, like, putting Rowan. something in your leg and it getting up yeah. to your heart yeah. is science fiction. Yeah. No, but just think about it. Think think about it. Like, Rowan sat next to you. Or he, you're, you're under, right? And he's feeding it in. It's like he's building a ship. <laughs> Already ship, ship, yeah, like, It's like ship in a bottle. That's a good analogy. Feeding that, feeding yeah. that in. Feeding yeah, that was a good analogy. And then, yeah. and then you get up and you get out and it's really great and you feel like you've got a new lease on life. <laughs> Three days later, your heart explodes. It's like, you dead, motherfucker. Um, I, I've I've got a few case reports of exploding hearts actually. Uh, I was just fucking around, really. Listen. Yeah, I mean they're not. I think he's talking about his romantic conquests. <laughs> <laughs> That's broken hearts. Um, uh, you know, there there are occasional uh, case reports that you see of uh, exploding hearts. They're not. It's, it's nothing to joke about. They're they're like people die, but uh, and they're what we call iatrogenic. So they're they're caused by a medical cock up. Um, so. Uh, by for example when we inject dye down one of these tubes we normally do it by hand but sometimes you use a power injector which is like a just a machine that injects a big volume of dye very quickly and um there have been a couple of cases where that's been put in the wrong place and uh power injector has been used and 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 someone's heart or their heart arteries have have literally exploded fucking hell Mm -hmm. shit bruv so like as these things sort of happen you say like you know these incredibly bad cases have happened do we learn a lot from them and does it make medicine and sort of these almost sci-fi medical techniques better like are we learning are we getting a lot better are we move are we moving leaps and bounds or is it just like trundling ahead yeah i mean i think uh you know i'm, I'm biased here, but i think cardiology has changed more than pretty much well let's, let's say you know it's amongst the most rapidly changing areas of medicine we've made huge progress so that stenting for a for a heart attack that i was mentioning 20 years ago we'd or 25 years ago we'd would put patients in bed to have a heart attack give them a cup of tea and and you know there wasn't much else you could do and now um uh you know the the death rate has plummeted from from big heart attacks uh, and that's because of excellent ambulance service paramedics better gps uh, with primary you know primary prevention as well as these stenting techniques that you know that that's further down the line so we talked about hearts and everything you can do to hearts but just how bad is heart disease or is cardiovascular disease so most of the stats you can find are for cardiovascular disease as a whole um, which includes things like stroke as well as coronary heart disease so like heart attacks um it's the leading cause of death and disability in the world um and causes about a third of deaths every year globally. Um, in the UK, it's closer to a quarter of deaths, which is still you know, really, really high. Over 150,000 deaths each year, an average of 420 people each day, or one death every three minutes. Um, but it's not all sort of really dooming. It's job security. <laughs> so it, it's job security for cardiologists, um, but also that death rate is falling. So since 1961, it's dec- it's fallen by three quarters. So cardiologists seem, you know, whilst keeping themselves in jobs, seem to be doing quite a good job. Yeah, but the interesting thing about heart, like you know, you're saying cardiac heart disease is often linked to other things, isn't it? like obesity and you know lifestyle and stuff. So yeah, you know that is a big factor in it. So maybe tackling those issues isn't it? a good yeah, way. Yeah, I of- mean, you know, Hannah mm. very graciously credited cardiologists, but it but it's you know we're just mm-hmm. one element, um, and and it's public health um 
you know, community health, uh, medications, lots lots of factors have gone into mm-hmm. that. But it, yeah, it's been a huge success story of the last um, 50 years in medicine mm-hmm. is, is, is reducing the amount of people dying young. However, mm-hmm. that has meant that we've got far more people living with heart failure. Mm-hmm. So where those people who previously would have died are now living with impaired hearts. So that's a huge growing area of mm-hmm. people whose, whose hearts aren't working properly. I'm super interested in this super. Uh, no, but you know, I was saying before, like, you know, I did the story about this uh, lady called Selwa Hussain, who's the first grown woman to leave hospital with artificial heart. She's still got one. She's waiting for a transplant. So she has this machine and this is like literally proper sci-fi. She wears a rucksack with a heart in it. You can literally hear it like, it's like super like weird. Cause like there's, there's this lady who's. How would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study? People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Essentially, she hasn't got a heart, but she was like one of the most loud, like opinion lady, opinionated ladies I've ever met. I was like, damn. Hang man. on. So like has she, she had to wear these rocks like, all the time. Yeah. And no, she had to like, like in bed and everything. What she had to do was she had to come she's up. She's got no heart, man. She's got no heart. She had to like. <laughs> what do you think? Literally. <laughs> she like had the tin man. Is the tin man? Or is the lion? Dude, no, he's a lion, isn't it? It's totally crazy. <laughs> no, the tin man was the one who had no heart. Sorry, this is real life. Um, uh, <laughs> dude, I met I mean, her at a cafe. She had, when I came in, she was like, yo, is there plug socket around it i was like why she's like a plug in my heart i was like fucking hell son i think your iphone gives you problems <laughs> i know that's like shit uh, like, Damn. <laughs> so how does one of those work yeah so so this this comes this answers your question about sci-fi stuff mm-hmm. so i think this is the most sci-fi area um which is is what to do when everything else has failed mm-hmm. and, and and hearts are really really impaired and and that 
level of heart failure. It's a horrible disease to have. It affects every part of the body. And uh, I was very lucky to to do the heart transplant job up in, in Papworth Hospital um, in Cambridge. And uh, so we had the first patient in the UK to have a, a total artificial heart. And there are two types of what are, what are referred to as artificial heart. One is something called a ventricular assist device, which is not a replacement for the heart, but that's something that is plumbed in alongside the heart. And nowadays they're extremely clever. They're tiny little pumps, which have a uh, an impeller inside. So that's basically a, a propeller within, within a chamber. And they just have a single moving part. They're magnetically levitated. Um, and th- so th- this provides a lot of... Um, the, the flow and in some cases all the flow some we've had patients whose hearts have completely stopped and they've been surviving with these assist devices and the interesting thing about these patients when you meet them they have no pulse if you uh, if you feel their pulse they, they have no pulse because they've got constant flow not pulsatile flow mm-hmm. um, so this is something we you know we trick the, the junior doctors on the wall that's doing. insane um, yeah. and uh, <laughs> wait, wait wait sorry you go up to you take junior doctors in make them take their these patients pulse yeah uh, and medical students probably yeah Yo, you guys are the fucking worst. Uh, no, the patients oh love God, it. They're, in, they're in on the joke. <laughs> uh, the patients find it hilarious. Um, so that's uh, that's pretty common, and that's increasing. Um, now, in the UK, we only really doing that, except a few cases, uh, with a view to then getting a transplant. So that mm-hmm. buys time for a transplant. Transplant is still the best treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas so in America... What's the downside of an artificial heart? Oh, lots, lots. Mm-hmm. Um First of all, you've got to carry your rucksack all the time. Yeah. So, so that's the other type uh, of uh, artificial heart, which is a complete replacement. You take the heart out, the native heart, and you put in an artificial heart. And that is the thing that you saw, Sahel, which is mm. very noisy and it's pulsatile. So you get this kind of sound. Mm. And that's a big backpack. The ventricular assist device is much smaller. It's kind of like a, like a fanny pack. And um, so, uh, you know, <laughs> that's... Uh, uh, but there are many downsides to both of these. Number one, patients need to have their blood thinned. Uh, they need to be on anticoagulation, so they're much prone to bleeding. Anytime you've got t- tubes are, you know, coming out of the body, so uh, you can get infections, and they can be catastrophic. Um, and uh, you know, those are the kind of main issues. But there are there are lots of problems that come with these, mm-hmm. and and you just can't replace the heart yet with technology. Um, so transplant is is. Is, uh, is the best treatment, but as everyone's aware, um, organ donors are, are in very short supply. Mm. And I think like, you know, one of the things that we've been doing is that why not a donor campaign? Absolutely, yeah. Because um, we really think that it's massively important that people of color give blood and organs and stuff. And I found it particularly scary to know that like we we have to spend a lot more time on sort of organ donor uh, waiting lists and stuff. So when it comes to things like heart disease, are people of certain ethnicities more prone to sort of heart disease, heart or cardiovascular diseases? They very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Um, we we talk about risk factors for for cardiovascular disease. Uh, some are modifiable, so smoking blood pressure, um, diabetes, like control of your diabetes, high blood pressure. These are things you can you can 
change by right? things you can do taking medication or changing your lifestyle and some things you can't control you've got to choose your parents carefully oh. um, <laughs> uh, damn uh, i fucked uh, up on that one yeah, so, <laughs> so family history uh, and and there is now you know a lot of people talk about being asian as another risk factor uh and south asians have a very high much well comparatively much higher rate of of heart disease oh guys wow I'm, i feel really i mean afro-caribbeans aren't Scott free here. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 Listen, they just need to keep working on our official heart and I'll be all right. <laughs> so you have a YouTube channel, don't you, Rohan? Uh, I do. It's uh, it's a nascent uh, YouTube channel. It's uh, it's not that old. I've only got a few, few videos up there, but it's trying to communicate some uh, interesting offbeat medical sciencey ideas stuff and my general mission statement is is these are topics you won't find anywhere else on youtube and what's it called it's called medlife crisis so you type medlife crisis on youtube and you can find all his medical knowledge in four videos that's about right yeah at yeah. most at most yeah <laughs> at minimum and most a, a lot of it's duplication <laughs> brilliant So um, lots of animals in the animal kingdom can regrow parts of their bodies. So lots of people know about lizard tails being cut off and regrowing. The zebrafish in particular seems to be really good at regrowing its heart tissue. So it can be quite severely damaged and it's sort of um, the cells in the region sort of turn into stem cells and some really interesting research going on there. That is really interesting. Yeah, so ze zebrafish hearts uh, are a very uh, popular model for people studying human heart disease because although uh, it's a two-chambered heart, unlike the human four-chambered heart, it's morphologically not that dissimilar. It's got a ventricle, it's got an atrium, and um, uh, I think it's something like 30% of the ventricle can be lost and regenerate, whereas human hearts can't regenerate at all. The uh, human heart has four chambers, uh, two ventricles and two atria left and right sides so left ventricle left atrium and uh, and vice versa and the um atria is the kind of uh, they're the top chambers of the heart so they receive blood from either the whole body on on the right side or from the lungs on the left side and then they that the blood then passes into the ventricles and the ventricles do the more heavy lifting they pump either to the lungs in the case of the right ventricle or all around the body in the case of the left ventricle so you see you see in the clinic you see patients and then you do research as well but most of your research is clinical right yeah and then there's research that happens in zebrafish and like mice and all these model organisms do you do you find that that research is directly translatable like in the in the cardiology world how much skepticism is there in terms of that research being translatable to humans, well, no, I don't. I don't think there's too much skepticism. Um, the majority of, of cardiovascular research is, is basic science and, and translational. So um, you know that's you know cell mm. studies and uh, animal animal models, um, and the team that I'm part of, we, although I do more clinical stuff, uh, that they're, they're mostly all lab-based and uh, use rat models and Langendorf hearts, which are um, rat hearts that have been taken out and, and uh, continue to pump on a little 
rig and so then you can infuse drugs and, and test things um so yeah that's absolutely the basis of, of most cardiovascular research so you're talking about sort of the translation from animal models to sort of applying in humans i know that hannah you've been looking into weird animal hearts i have and i know this is something that you've been looking at recently as well um but just quickly, because it's related, when we're talking about research, so I've been looking at animals that are quite distantly related to us, but within mammals, are our hearts quite similar? Um, yeah, the mammalian heart essentially is, is pretty similar across uh, the, the entire range of mammals, apart from obviously size. But it, the, mm -hmm. all mammals have, have got a four-chambered heart and it, it all works in the same, works in pretty much the same ways. So, but, but mammals within that have massive extremes so the biggest heart ever uh is the blue whale heart um so again morphologically it looks like a human heart but um it's just shy of 200 kilograms whereas our, our hearts are about uh 300 grams um and then the etruscan shrew um is the has the smallest is the smallest mammal it has the smallest heart uh which weighs uh i think from memory 20 milligrams um, so there are wild extremes, but yeah, they, they all pretty much work the same way. And that's important because xenotransplantation is a, is a big area of research. Um, what is that? And that's transplanting between species. Um, it's been attempted before. Um, there are some famous disasters of, of uh, uh, surgeons transplanting um, chimpanzee or baboon hearts into humans in, in the past, but... And so, you know, it kind of went underground because it got a very bad press. But, uh, <laughs> listen, what, I, I underground know what transplant. That's <laughs> fucked up, man. Yeah, you make it sound like you could go down the back street. Yeah, on the in, dark web. Yeah, yeah. You could go on the dark web, uh, the, the melanin network. You could, uh, you could just sort of go go somewhere in East Ham, down some back streets, and then there's a guy with a pig heart. It's like, yeah, do you want it? You Yo, can put it in your, uh, I guess, if it's East Ham, uh, it's probably a monkey heart. Um, <laughs> Why you lot, what, why you got East Ham is fine. East Ham they is had like a very well and cut up and coming. Um, but uh, uh, so I went to a, a talk um, for the fiftieth anniversary of heart transplantation, which was a few months ago, and uh, an expert in xenotransplantation was saying that by twenty twenty one, we'll maybe actually sooner than that we'll transplant a kidney, um, a transgenic. Um, uh, baboon i think baboon or chimpanzee kidney i'm sorry i can't remember which species exactly and then soon soon afterwards uh we'll be transplanting other organs so when you say a transgenic kidney what do you mean so th these are um uh primates who have um had i'm gonna fall down on the details here but they've had some sort of genetic editing i don't know if that's so that they become compatible so with humans. they're okay. they're um uh, major histocompatibility complexes or H HLA uh, for humans um, is is uh, I guess more what's the okay, so, yeah, go sorry no, um, no, so the idea is that you can put it in a human and it's not going to the, the, the human body is not going to reject this foreign mm. kidney basically yeah I mean the problem with, with transplantation is, is, is rejection so, right. so um, we uh, all have that problem from time to time <laughs> <laughs> Set me up for that. <laughs> <laughs> we all hate ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you can always take anti-rejection <laughs> drugs, you know. <laughs> can you get those? So, so basically, how do we not get rejected on Tinder is my next question. <laughs> no, but you know, that's a good thing. Uh, I mean, a question I wanted to ask based on that, because obviously we talked about quite nonchalantly, like, you know, breeding monkeys and, you know, testing on rats. And stuff. There's a moral question around that and an ethical question of like, you know, because to give another human life, then you have to raise a monkey or, or ape which is intelligent animal you might argue and then kill that to but, yeah but mm. do, you, do you eat meat i do eat meat but obviously I, again there's an ethical question there isn't it as well but you seem that. to have got over it huh? it's true <laughs> <laughs> it's true i mean i eat meat too i'm not i'm not yeah. judging here i'm just i had a conversation aren't you your tone would but there is no you're that's, right that's you just, know that's just how i talk it's a good obviously obviously it's a good point you're making in that you know we do kill animals for human benefit but it's like in the context because it seems a bit different like in this situation yeah it's at least psychologically right? <laughs> yeah um I, it's funny i had this conversation very recently with mm. someone and they were saying you know they, they think it's unethical but i i, I think the argument to, to 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 sacrifice an animal life to save a human life is much stronger argument than sacrificing an animal life just to eat it yeah don't you no, that's so, good that's yeah. a good point i agree I agree. I agree. And th there are some arguments that, for example, pigs or even squid are just mm. as intelligent as some primates. Mm. And yeah, a lot yeah. more Octopus, very yeah. clever, right? Um, mm. And I think people will eat, you know, eat a lot of animals without thinking twice, but then suddenly have an issue when it's about saving lives. Mm. I've got to say, I've stopped eating octopus. Yeah, I've um, had to stop as well. I just can't cope with it. I've seen a bunch of documentaries on octopodes. Mm. Um, it's octopuses. No, you can you can, you can can choose, actually. Um, so, <laughs> oh, Cambridge! Yes, yes. Oh, pow, pow, pow. The zoologist versus no, the cardiologist. No, well, no but... but <laughs> the, 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 oh, it's so, getting spicy. This, this, is, this is nothing to do with... This is this is uh, classics here. This is etymology, right? Uh -huh. So, um, the octopus, octopus, uh, is octopi. Uh, what, what's the plural of that? <laughs> no, that's completely wrong, Oz. <laughs> I think you'll find. Oz, 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 be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> uh, octopuses is is probably the most accepted and correct because once a word enters the English language, it becomes an English word. And hence, then you pluralize it as you would an English word. So by that logic, I could make up words and if they enter the English language. I've made up lots of words. As long it, as you pluralize them in an English way, that's fine. It also has uh, to enter common usage, not just you, Oz. Okay. Um, and so <laughs> octopi is, is, a, is it's a based on a mis misconception <laughs> because it ends with us, that it's Latin. But of course, octo okay, now is... now we're talking languages, Alex. What's <laughs> happened? Uh, octo is Greek. Um, <laughs> hence, Alex, shut it down. I, I, it, it, Alex, it, it, could, it, down. it could be pluralized. Alex, shut it down. In the Greek so, manner. So, octopodes. So, I like it. So Alex, basic. shut it down. <laughs> Alex! Merriam Webster uh, backs me up on this. Yeah, yeah. To uh, summarize, Rohan's going with like classics, <laughs> and I'm going with the people. <laughs> I can listen, live with that. Listen, look, it We're started. Here. It started off as a light science podcast featuring ethnic minority people, <laughs> and somehow it's become fucking university challenge. <laughs> Did I ask for this? No. I just thought I'm gonna bring together some people that I like and who are really smart and who are funny. But no, the ego's got in the way. We got too big people, and now <laughs> I'm concerned. Though, I'm coming across like a bit of a dickhead. Like, <laughs> that would that probably be a fairly realistic depiction. Yeah, we're all dickheads, it's all good. <laughs> no, but okay, okay. Away from um, etymology and back to weird hearts, octob octopuses. octopuses. Just go with octopuses. Octopus, baby. And squids and stuff. They're all one family, like cephalopods. Cephalopods. Is that, is that, I've, never, I've, never, I've only yeah. seen it written. It's, so it's cephalopods. Cephalopods. So do they have I, I agree. <laughs> I'm 
I'm glad we agree on something. This is compromise, folks. <laughs> so, do cephalopods have weird hearts, Hannah? They have three. Yeah. No way. Wait, so Doctor Who has two, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, Doctor Who has two hearts. Seriously, Oz got popular culture reference. No, no, Oz, Oz, no, Oz got it wrong. Look, yeah, I'm not an. I'm the cool one here. I'm not a nerd like the rest of you. That's true. Yes, when I look at you, I, I do think cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Round two. Do you, do you want to take us outside and have a cool? Oh, you, Oz, have you noticed? Oz is extremely photogenic. Have you noticed this? <laughs> I, 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 we, can't, I, I, we can't like unnotice it. And I always think, wow, this guy's really good looking. The best ones are the creep shots when Oz doesn't know. That he's he knows, he knows, he always knows. He goes, he's so, good to um, right there. I, listen, yeah, I learned from the best. His name is Alex Lathbridge. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been training Oz um, in how to know where a camera is yeah. at the time. <laughs> like, I wish that was not true, but it's true. It's like Oz, 45 degrees. <laughs> so cephalopods have three hearts. Why do they have three hearts? Do they need that many hearts? Are they being selfish? Are they being shellfish? Are they being shellfish? But I'm from Dad joke extraordinaire. <laughs> I mean, you led into that. I mean, it was just bound to happen. It's got bound to be a dad joke. It was an easy setup. Just answer the fucking question. <laughs> they, they have a systemic heart and two branchial hearts, which supply their gills. Uh, now, I'm certainly not a cephalopod expert here, uh, so I don't want to speak out of turn. Do you, do you, Listen, do you, do you I know a lot about that. So the, the t- there's two hearts that basically pump blood through the gills so that the blood can get oxygen. And then it goes to the central heart, which then pumps that oxygen-rich blood around the body. Did also, you... interesting fact, that's why it's hard for them on Valentine's Day, because wow. there are many hearts oh, get broken. That's sad. I feel yeah. sad now. Yeah. <laughs> the, t- the, com- the comedic I, I, tone just keeps dropping. I, I have one more f- interesting fact about octopus blood, uh, because it's blue. Um, unlike uh, us, uh, who, who use... Hemoglobin, so iron at the center of heme um, to transport oxygen. They use copper, uh, hence their blood is blue instead of red. So we've, we've talked, we've mentioned already that like humans have four chambers and fish have two. The frogs have three chambers. Okay. Why like, are you no. grasping your chest, Alex? I, okay, so I know that four chambers, they all serve like a purpose and I get how it works, sort of like a cute pattern. Three chambers. How the fuck does that work? Like, it's a bit like you know, like in Only Fools and Horses, there's a three like <laughs> couple of Del Boys in it. You, you know, know what I'm saying? That's that's not how the heart <laughs> cardiovascular system works. Hannah, please, you if know. You're referring to tr- the Trotter van, then that's actually a not bad analogy. There you oh, go. Fuck see, off. That's oh, what I'm saying, bro. How is that's everyone? Get, how is everyone getting a win on here apart from me? <laughs> Listen, yeah, I paid him off on the court. You. When you first met Rohan, he was negging you. You decided to invite him onto your podcast. What did you expect? It's just, I know. <laughs> but please explain. Explain. So frogs um, and some other amphibians have two atriums, atria, um, and one ventricle. And there's only sort of like grooves that separate the ventricles. So you get your sort of oxygen rich blood and oxygen poor blood. But it means that as a whole, the oxygen's quite, uh, sorry, the blood is quite oxygen poor. Um, And frogs are sort of okay with that because they're cold blooded. They don't move around as quickly as warm blooded animals do. And they can also get some oxygen through their skin. So it's not as important for that blood to get the oxygen all over their body. 
Now, the way that sort of evolved into a four-chambered heart is really interesting, I think, anyway. Um, so turtles are almost like the in-between where they're starting to get a wall um, to split off the ventricle. And you find that they've got much more oxygen-rich blood. But then you move to mammals and birds who move very quickly and need really rich oxygen blood. Um, and that's when you develop that solid sort of wall and you get the four-chambered heart. That is actually super interesting. I love stuff like that. So Hannah, you weren't here last episode. You were very ill. And you know what we missed the most? Apart from your wonderful personality, it was the optimism brought through Hannah's highlights. What do you have for us this week? So the first of my highlights today is a wonderful historical and social volcanologist called Jasmine Scarlet. Jasmine looks at sort of the human side of volcanic eruptions. Um, and I think it's really interesting um, the work she does and she's been um, talking a lot on Twitter about how her sort of family history and culture has been inspiring her science work, um, which I find very interesting. And you can read about that on her blog, which we will put in the show notes. The second person is someone we've referred to before on the podcast. You might have heard us talking about the book The Good Immigrant um, and how Alex and I in particularly keep throwing it at people. Um, but Nikesh Shukla is a writer and an editor and he edited um, The Good Immigrant, which is a great collection of essays looking at race and immigration in the UK. It's a really wonderful book. Um, I think it's one of the things that me and Alex first bonded over. Um, <laughs> and I think it's a very important book for everyone to read. Hannah, who is your final highlight? I hope you'll forgive me for putting a fictional character as my final highlight. Uh, Oz does it on... I uh, am a fictional character. I'm not going to make... <laughs> What's the end of that sentence? I was going to make a, a Tinder joke, but I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> so, I went to see Avengers Infinity War yesterday. And when this character came on screen, I basically squealed out loud. Because Shuri is an absolute badass can we talk about the fact that we now have two blockbuster movies that have a teenage woman of color running all the science and technology in a country i mean i'm not gonna put out it. i think it's nepotism just <laughs> like a brother is king she's like the most intelligent person in the universe this is true she's smarter than bruce banner who has seven phds that's which the hulk Alter ego is Bruce Banner. Just in case people don't know the oh, name. Okay. I thought you were correcting me. I was no. like, <laughs> yeah, no. The Hulk has I'm just keeping in mind that Oz didn't know who Shuri was. I mean, yeah, and Bruce Banner has seven PhDs, which isn't actually a point of super intelligence. Once you get past one, it's like, that's a really dumb idea to do okay. anymore. <laughs> but yeah, no, Shuri is amazing and I think is a wonderful role model for everyone because you get to be cool and. Talk about memes and do science, which is essentially the USP of this podcast. Wow, laying sure it down. Is our hero. Bars. So, why are you having a meltdown that I don't know who Shuri is, but you, you had a meltdown when I didn't know who R23PO was? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm doing that Stop, leave. No, no, leave it alone. Leave it alone. There have been, there have been two moments when listening to all the podcast over the last few months live review when, I, when I've, I've my heart has, has sunk uh one was 
the Star Wars. Mm. And then what was the other major thing? Uh, some other movie that... Uh, that you forgot. It's Lord of the Rings. Look at being disappointing to Cambridge men is just part Why of my brand. Cambridge here? Uh, because you spent a good five minutes talking about the correct pluralization of octopus. <laughs> <laughs> For no fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> So we have reached the end of the episode. How are you all feeling? I mean, I feel great, apart from constant corrections from Cambridge crew over here. <laughs> I found the stuff about artificial hearts really cool. So how, what about you? Genuinely, it was a very interesting discussion. Uh, you know, it was quite interesting to learn because, you know, this stuff was going to affect us when we're older. So it's interesting to see that I can fuck up my body now and that later on, you know, I could just get a sweet bionic heart or some shit. <laughs> now Rohan two questions one is that accurate and is that a good uh, public health message to send out uh, probably not <laughs> <laughs> dude and the second question have you enjoyed being on the podcast I have I'm not sure if you've enjoyed having me here <laughs> but, uh, no, it's been absolutely incredible so as always, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I've been joined by Oz, Hannah, Sahel, and Rohan. See you Bye. later. Bye. See you next time. And I've been Alex Lathbridge. This has been Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Peace. So you might be thinking, oh my God, how do I hear more about this amazing podcast that combines humor, entertainment, pop culture, and cutting edge science? Or you might be thinking, oh wow, these guys are geniuses and I have questions only they can answer. Or you might be thinking, oh wow, these guys aren't even real doctors and I know way more about science than them and I want them to know this. So how do I let them know this as quickly as possible? So what you've got to do for us right now is leave us an iTunes review. I know you hear it everywhere, but it's super important because we want that sweet internet validation. Or you can send us your questions or comments by email. It's at whynotdoc at gmail.com. And if you want to stay up to date with what we're doing, you can go by social media. It's at whynotadoc on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, iTunes review, follow us on social media, annoy us by email. Thanks. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.